Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs, episode 20. I am here today with my dog, Kai, who's always here listening if you hear that clanking in the background. And uh, last episode, she was snoring all the way through. She likes to sit in with me while I record and also while I'm counseling clients. It's rather kind of interesting. I think she's like a real-life therapy dog. So this is episode 20. I am so grateful for everybody that's listening to my episodes. I hope that they provide some healing and support for you in times when you need it. So today I was debating on this topic and I think it's time that I tackle it, which is, I believe, an essential part of coping with the death of our children is it really faces us to confront our spiritual beliefs. And I had a very hard time, so I have disclosed before and talked about this a little bit which is at the time that my son died, I was following an alternative religion. It was not um, Christianity. It was a different one. Um, I talk about it in my book in great detail called The Solitary Journey Through the Loss of a Child. But it was a spiritual belief system that provided a lot of support for me. Well, it was the Lakota culture. That won't have any meaning for very many people. It's Native American. I was going to sweat twice a week, which is the equivalent of going to church before Christopher died. I went to ceremony at least twice a month, which is also similar to going to church as fellowship. And I was, I was heavily, heavily involved in my spiritual beliefs. I was praying on a regular basis. I would say that I was a very spiritual, spiritual person. And I remember telling the um, interpreter or the medicine man, however you want to call him, uh, that Christopher had cancer. And he said, well, you better ask for assistance before it's too late. And I never did. There's a whole thing that you, you have to ask with tobacco. I wasn't prepared. And I also thought we had more time. And that was the week before he died. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we had more time. And it was, so when Christopher died, 
that next week, I immediately was angry. Was angry at the medicine man because I was like, could you have told me? Could you have prepared me? Like, what did, what did I do to have this bad thing happen to me? And then when it came time to try to bury Christopher, because I followed an alternative religion, uh, I couldn't find anyone to do the ceremony for me. And now keep in mind, I am not Native American. And I don't know if this played a role in it or not. Well, I do, I do think it played part of a role in, role in it is that Medicine Man wasn't comfortable doing a ceremony for or burying him in front of a bunch of people that were not of his culture. And so I had to have him buried by not even a pastor. I felt bad for my husband. My husband asked his pastor from um, Illinois, his pastor went and do it. Christopher was going to a church, in Louisiana, the simple church. Uh, they wouldn't do it. They wanted me to bring his body to Louisiana and have him be buried there. And then they would, then they would do the ceremony. Like, I really feel like religious leaders across the board, no matter what religion they came from, really failed me when my son died in terms of supporting me through his burial process. So I had to have somebody that I didn't really believe in, that didn't really know Christopher, um, do his funeral. And then I, I had some friends come and sing his soul home, which was something that was just for me. And I remember being very, very angry because I felt like the spirituality that I had so believed in and supported me and I had engaged with these people, none of them showed up for me when my son died, not a single one of them. Man, I was angry. So they happened to have ceremony, I don't know, it's a couple of days later, maybe three, a sweat three days later. And I went and he did a calling the spirit home. Ceremony for Christopher. And for those of you that don't know, a sweat is done a canvas, blanket covered, half circle. It's like really hard to explain it um, with heated rocks and it's really hot in there. And I was just distraught. I was also very, very angry. And I was really mad at the spirits because they took Christopher 
And I didn't understand that. Why they did that. And I was I thought it was all because of something I had done. And I've over the years, I have gotten a hard time from various people in my life, um, family, friends, um, even to a certain degree, the Lakota people for being as involved as I was in that particular culture. But it just was something that happened to match me. And at first, when Christopher died, it was really, I really thought I was punished, being punished for that decision to be involved. And I remember sitting in that sweat, asking why, why, why? And there's a lot of drumming and the um, music people are singing and it's really loud. And, and I asked, and I was praying that they not take him, which is kind of too late because they already did. But I mean, nothing's rational when this stuff is happening. And the message that I got back was, well, I could go with him, but I would have to die too. And I remember in this prayer being told that I could, I would have to die too. And I, I would have had to die at that moment and I could have gone with him. And then I had this realization that I, I didn't want to die. So I, I had to let him go. And it was one of the most painful experience ever. I remember I, I started to panic. I had to leave the sweat and I was laying on the ground and um, my sister said that I was immobile for a period of time and my face was really white and she said it was very scary actually. And for me there was a lot of I think shame at that moment in time because I chose to live while he died. And I felt a lot of guilt about that over the years. And so as I've moved through this grieving process, I've come to realize that whether I believed in the Native American spirituality or if I was a uh, Catholic or a Presbyterian or someone like that, that when your children die and they die so early, it does create this crisis in faith. This thought that you're somehow being punished by whether you believe in God, for the Lakota it was Dakanchala, um, the universe, whatever people call, you know, this this universal this universal person. I realized there's always that, that crisis of faith. And we always take that on ourselves and we ask ourselves, what did we do wrong? What could we have done to like, to keep, to keep our children? 
And as I moved, as I moved through this process, is when I realized that there's nothing I could have done. And I talk about this a lot, but it takes a lot of time to get to get to this point. to get to the point where you can not take all the on all this blame and guilt and be like why me why why have you chose me and all the things that you have ever done bad in your life come back to haunt you and you're like is it this thing is it that thing did i not do this thing if i could go back and change that thing um would would things have changed? Did I feed Christopher wrong so that he got cancer? Um, did I give him the wrong genes? You know, because he shares fifty percent of my genes. But could I have saved him if I if there'd been another father? I mean, all of these things like go through your head like almost immediately. And I remember feeling so, so betrayed. And I think for a certain extent, many people go through this. Like in the, the there's some people that turn closer to their faith. And I, I really don't understand that. Um, for myself, it, I turned farther away. But I know the next thing that I had to decide after the spiritual crisis, and this is also part of the spiritual crisis, is that I think it's imperative that people come to some kind of belief system about life after death and whether or not that's a possibility. And the whole concept of heaven, I believe, is based off this idea that it's so, so very hard for us as humans to believe that the person that had died is just gone. And there are some people that do believe that, that they don't believe that there's a heaven. That um, So if you don't believe there's a heaven, you don't believe that there's a hell. You know, there's just nothingness. There's some people that believe that. But then there's others like me that start to examine what do you believe about life after death? Is it possible that some part of your child or your deceased loved one um, is still around? So, and I've always had an interest in the paranormal. Always. I mean, it's a little, I remember being a little kid, so I have really bad eyesight. And I remember being very scared as a kid, looking out the window because I could see shapes and thinking that someone was out there. And I've always believed in ghosts. I have a lot of ghost stories that happened to me as a kid. And so I'd already had a belief in the paranormal but I didn't make the connection between my belief in ghosts and the fact 
and the fact that my son died till after he died. And then I was, I was very curious. And to believe that he, so heaven's, you know, the Christianity, the heaven, never ever really resonated with me. And I have never believed in hell. I've always believed that um, life on earth is hell, actually, because when you died, you have an absence of feelings. And I've talked about my traumatic childhood on here. Um, we all know that I had a pretty traumatic childhood. But I always thought that hell was here and that these absence of feelings is what was heaven was going to be like. So almost immediately I started researching life after death. Like, I mean, immediately the next day I am Googling how to tell if there's a ghost around, how to tell if, you know, a ghost is trying to talk to you almost immediately. And so I was taking pictures. I did take a picture of my son while he died, when he died, and in the casket, because for me, it still wasn't real. And I needed to know that it was real. And so I, I started to do the research. And I've come to some clients I can talk to about it, some clients I can't. I just kind of gauge the situation. But I really believe that part of this journey of learning to cope with our children dying is coming to some resolution of that, of that belief. So if you believe in signs, like I do, or you believe in um, mediumship, people that can talk to um, deceased people, or if you believe in, like I do, that Christopher communicates to me through music, then you believe there's life after death. And I don't think that people make those connections, but I think it's important that you do make that connection. Because if you're going to continue a bond with the person that is deceased, you kind of need to have that belief system. And I think everybody has to do this exploration for themselves. And that's what I did. I read a lot of James Van Prague's books. And then I can't remember the name of her, but the lady that the um, Ghost Whisperer was based off of, I read her book about doing readings for people. And then I went and researched people on the internet. So in order to, I seen a lot of things in my Lakota spirituality. I've heard the spirits talking, I've seen the animals react. A lot of spiritual stuff happened to me as part of that Lakota culture. So I was already primed to believe that anyway. 
but I'll never forget. During the week. So I didn't have anyone around me to help me plan my son's funeral. So I buried him the way that the Lakota people do, which is as if the, once they die, their body's never left alone. So once that I was able, I stayed at the funeral home with Christopher. And I remember that night, and as I was starting to fall asleep, um, I felt somebody playing with my hair. And I knew that it was Christopher. I knew that it was what it was. And I also heard him, because I cut his hair to keep a lock of his hair. And I heard him saying, don't cut my hair. Christopher is very particular about his hair. Um, so I still have the hair. But I remember hearing him. And then my husband tells a story about when he died hearing footsteps walking down the hallway and then Christopher saying to him, I love you. So we had this evidence that he existed beyond death. And for us, it was comforting. And my husband, who is a Christian, found it very difficult at first. But the more that he's kind of grown into his spiritual side and the comfort that it has provided him, you know, the more comfortable he is in believing that there's, that there's life after death. And so I would have, I had this experience that confirmed it for me completely, which is, so my husband went looking for, you know, if I'd had my way, there would have never been a tombstone. <laughs> I was just not ready for that. So it had been a year. And my husband was really bothered by the fact that we didn't have a tombstone yet. And I think about this story and I just laugh now, but at the time it was so not funny. So he researched tombstones around our local area and they were really expensive and he wanted to put engraved photos on the tombstone so he ordered it from someplace on the east coast and then paid for it to be shipped to our house well they delivered it one day and we were both at work so they dropped it off in our driveway so we come home from work and um, it's sitting in our driveway. Like, it's in a crate, but it's sitting in our driveway. <laughs> like, what is that? My husband goes, oh, that's the tombstone. I'm like, what? You had it dropped off at the house? He's like, yeah. So I went in the house because I just, at this point, still couldn't deal with it. I still couldn't deal with the fact that Christopher, you know, that Christopher was dead. So it had been 18 months because this was August. I just couldn't deal with it. So my husband uncrates it, pulls it into the garage, and he calls me out. And he says, Chris, that's what he calls me, Chris. Chris, come out and look at this. So I walk out 
my garage. I look down and I see the tombstone. And I'm like, oh, I can't, just can't deal with this. And I turned around and started back to the garage door. Since I was walking back to the garage door, it would have been on my right side. And I stopped and I looked at the side of the garage and Christopher was standing there and I could see him clearly. He was standing there and he was wearing, even now I see this outfit and I'm like, you know, it just grabs my heart. But he was standing there in his blue jeans. He had a blue shirt on. Um, his hair the way he liked it. <laughs> so clearly he was still not happy that I cut it. And he was just smiling at me. And there, it was a doorway. And behind him I could see streets. And I could see buildings. And they were all gold. And we just stood there and we looked at each other. And then I turned around and I walked away. And I still regret that because part of me wishes that I would have attempted to at least communicate, think about him or try to talk to him or, but he was just looking at me. Even now I can still, see it clear as day and when he would come visit me at night I would always know that he was dreaming or if it was a visitation because the visitations always felt so real like I could literally like feel him and so after that experience I just decided that I mean the proof was right there I could see him you know, so for me, I believe that life after death was possible. And starting from that foundation, I started to continue to build this relationship that I have with him. And so I have music that I listen to. And in the very beginning, you know, I didn't understand the whole music thing, but my phone would just randomly come on. And the song come blaring out. The lights flicker a lot of the times. I'd ask a question and flicker again. So I knew I watched a lot of ghost adventures. There is one um, ghost adventures, the Plocky family, that when I'm really struggling with believing that Christopher is still available to me, available to me to have a connection with I go by, back and I watch that ghost adventures because without a doubt that father has learned to communicate with his deceased daughter and she comes every year for her birthday and so for me coming to this resolution about whether or not there was life after death was a critical part of my being able to cope with the death of my son. Like, and everybody comes to their different conclusions about that. So I can't say because I believe this way that everyone needs to believe that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that we all have to work through our beliefs about religion for one. 
what we do believe, what we don't believe. We have to work through whether or not um, we believe that there's life after death. And then you incorporate those beliefs into a way to cope with the death of your child. Because spiritually, it's critically important for support, for you to have some type of belief system about that. Whether you believe that they're in heaven, you don't believe they're in heaven. Um, for those of you that believe there's nothingness, I would, and you struggle, I would suggest that maybe you do some research on that and just come to your own conclusions, make your own decisions. And there's a lot of information out there. I'm going to talk about mediumship in another episode. But please do the other research first. Read some books, speak with your religious leaders. Um, find a way to find that belief system for yourself. It will only help you cope. And so for all of you that are in the middle of the spiritual crisis, I'm so sorry that we're here, that you're having to deal with the fact that your child died. So thanks for listening. This is the end of episode 20. I appreciate each and every one of you that have been listening. It just warms my heart. I hope that there's something that I'm saying that is providing some kind of support and making you feel less alone. And as always, I'm keeping it real. <laughs> keeping it real about grief. Talk to you next week.